Let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, but before we do that, um, my wife mentioned, that was my wife, those of you who don't know, that uh, it was Angelina's birthday today, but it's also Linda's birthday today. Where is she? She just left. She's 25 today. And she, she was so distressed at being 25, she left. So, uh, but happy birthday to both of them anyways. So 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, we looked last time at the last part of chapter 5 and speaking about elders and leaders and some practical matters about that, what they do and how we should treat them and, and how to choose them. And so uh, that was good too. But this week we're, we're going to talk about a difficult subject. Can we, can we put that on the... Uh, it just has to be on there or this won't, this won't work. We'll get it. <laughs> Nick's the man. Nick's sitting over here. <laughs> we want to talk about witnessing in the worst circumstances, is what I want to talk about today. Witnessing in the worst circumstances. And uh, I want to ask you a question first. Have you ever been in a difficult, terrible circumstance and God wanted you to be a voice. He wanted you to be a witness. He wanted you to be that light in that dark place. Have you ever been in that kind of situation? And especially in my um, thinking, when you don't want to be that. Especially when it's so difficult, you wish you could just go and do something else. And, and to stand up for God in that circumstance is, is you know beyond what you even would want to do, what you would think about doing. You know, sharing and being a witness for Christ is not always easy. It's not even easy in the best of circumstances, but in a difficult circumstance is what we're talking about here today. So, so how can we, how can we do that? And, and, and that's kind of the, the theme of what I'm thinking about here in these passages. Difficult passage. How can we do that and the, the, the answer for me is that we can only do it with God's help as he equips us. And we read this verse here, Hebrews 13. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. This is something we have to rely on. We have, you know, when we get to the place where we think, you know, oh, I can do this, that's when we're in trouble. When we get to the place where we think, I, I, I got this covered, God just, you know, stand back and watch me work. And he's going to go, okay. <laughs> and he just kind of folds his arms, you know, like, go ahead. And then where do we end up? Yeah. But to know that he's, that he's ready, he's willing, he's able to equip us for with everything good for doing his will. And sometimes it's his will in the most difficult of circumstances to be a witness. The circumstances that we're talking about here today were certainly not easy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, the situation was being under the yoke of slavery. Let's read the verses. 
It says, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters are not to show them less respect, show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better because those who benefit from their service are believers and dear to them. And these are the things you are to teach and urge on them. The word that's used for slavery, and some versions say bond servant, bond slave, is the word doulos. And, and basically, it means bond slave. It means someone, uh, it, it comes from the Greek word, which means to bind up, someone who's bound. And it really means this, to belong to another. Being a witness in these circumstances, question mark, question mark. Now, I can't, I can't read these verses without considering the evils that, that come to mind when you think about slavery. I can't look at this. You know, uh, we can make application, but I can't just jump to application of employer, employee, and say, oh, let's just go there without considering the evil of what we're talking about here. Very serious. Certainly, we we look at the context of what was going on at that day and age and and think about that, but it doesn't minimize the evil of, of the situation. One human being over another in this way, the way people treat people. It's horrible. Someone said this, slavery is a product of the fall of man and has, and has existed in the world since that time, but it was not a part of God's original created order. Philip Schaff, who wrote the book, The History of the Christian Church, he said this, this evil has rested as a curse on all nations, and at the time of Christ, the greater part of the existing race was bound in beastly degradation, even in civilized Greece and Rome, the slaves being more numerous than the freeborn and the freedmen. So it was a huge problem back then. In fact, they estimate that in Rome itself, uh, that one-third to one-half, some even say more than that, of the population were under the yoke of slavery at that time. Those that were not were in the minority. Now, we could talk about the fact, say, well, it was different than it, you know, than it has been for us in these last number of uh, couple of centuries. And in some ways that's true, but, but you know what? It doesn't minimize it. It doesn't... Uh, take away the ugliness and the evil of it. Some of the things that were uh, happening back then, it it says that in uh, gutquestions.org is a great uh, website you can check out. They have a lot of answers to questions. That's why they call it gutquestions.org, right? You can go there if you have a question, biblical question. But... He, he talks about it there. He says that, that the slavery in, the, uh, in biblical times was very different from the slavery that was practiced in the past few centuries in many parts of the world. It says it was not based exclusively on race. People were not enslaved because of, of their nationality or the color of their skin, but it was more on economic, social status. People sold themselves as slaves when they couldn't pay their debts. 
In New Testament times, sometimes doctors and lawyers, even politicians, were slaves of someone else. And some people actually chose to be slaves so as, so as to have all their needs provided for. Kind of a context, kind of a background, thinking about it. It's a huge subject. We could talk for months, really, about this subject and, and the history and, and really what's even going on today, and we'll, we'll mention that. But looking at that now, Paul, writing here in, this, in these verses here, he's writing to those who may be in these circumstances. How they should act. How they should be a light, even in those very evil circumstances. Another thing I want to say, too, that Paul also pointed this out in Galatians 3.28, that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, the absolute equality of, of the human race. We're all one in Christ Jesus. So trying to think about this and, and you know, make application for ourselves. Do, you, do we ever find ourselves in circumstances that are so difficult that are even wrong? And yet, how are we to act? What, how are we to represent Jesus? You see where I'm going here? How difficult this kind of a, a concept is? He says there in that verse, all who, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect. Just reading that alone, you go, wow, how could you even say that? How could you even talk like that? And I have to say help, and, but the, answer, the question is really why? Why should I do that? And then he answers the question, he says, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. There's a reason so that God's name would not be slandered and that our teaching so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered or the, some translations say blasphemed how we react how we live even in the in the most darkest direst circumstances how we respond it's a witness but as i began in the beginning uh, how do we do that how can we possibly do that when we find ourselves in these kinds of things? How can I do it? Well, I can't, the truth is. And that's where we call out and say, God, I can't, but you can, and you've promised to equip me to help me to do these kinds of things that you're calling me to do, to equip me for everything good, for doing his will. Is it his will to be a good witness and a light? Yes, it is. Even in difficult Horrible, dire circumstances? Yes, it is. It certainly is. I want you to turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at uh, some different verses about this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. And it says slaves, and, he, and that's that word doulos or douloi. In the plural, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. See, there's a thing about the heart here. The Bible's always getting to the heart, getting to our hearts. 
Verse 6, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ. Like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Wow, that's pretty heavy stuff, to serve wholeheartedly. He says, as if you were serving the Lord, not men, though. Where does our focus need to be? Where do we need to look? Who do we need to look to in those circumstances? I'm only here because I, I serve the risen Christ. I serve that Lord Jesus. He's the only way. He's the only one that could ever help me to do what I need to do in this circumstance. I think back, and I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. And, you know, like those quotes I talked about, this goes, you know, back to the beginning of time, really, from the fall of man, how uh, men have, have done this kind of thing to one another. And we see in Genesis, speaking about Joseph, that he was sold into slavery, was he not? And who sold him into slavery? His own brothers sold him into slavery. Why? They were jealous. They were envious. They didn't like him. They didn't like his dreams. They had a lot of good reasons. No good reasons. They had a lot of reasons. None of them were any good. There's no good reason for this kind of thing. But they sold him into slavery. And look at Genesis 39 Verse 1, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. He, brought, he bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. But look at verse 2. This kind of, it, it, it's, it's mind-blowing, really, when you think about this. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. And he lived in the house of, of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. The witness of this guy, Joseph, is it's really kind of mind-blowing, really, the, the fact he was sold into slavery. But did he just mope around? Or did he just complain? No, he actually worked hard, didn't he? That's what appears that happened. And, and his uh, Potiphar, his master, he saw how he was working and he actually gave him more responsibility. He gave him uh, opportunity. But that really wasn't the big thing. It's the fact that the Lord was with him in that. The, war, the Lord was with him in that dark circumstance. A lot of other things happened to Joseph, as you know. He, that got, you know, his wife, uh, Potiphar's wife, got him into trouble, but he stood up for what was right. That got him into prison. But he worked hard even in prison. That didn't mean that he didn't try to get out when, when he had an opportunity. He said to the, you know, the baker and the, and the cupbearer, listen, if you can you know, pass word along that I really shouldn't be here, get me out of this situation. And he did. Eventually, you know the rest of the story. But look with me now to Exodus chapter 2. I just want you to see what God's heart is. Exodus chapter 2, because many, many years later, the people of Israel would be in this position. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. And during that long period... 
the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned in their slavery. The people of Israel, the, the nation of Israel, uh, from that very early, small beginning, they, they, they just multiplied rapidly. But, but then the Egyptians put them into slavery, into bondage. But it says the Israelites, they groaned in their slavery and they cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. And God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. They cried out to him in that. And God heard. God heard. Look at chapter 4. Turn ahead to chapter 4, verse 29, and you can read the whole account yourself, and I hope you do read this account of what, what happened in the life of Moses. There's a whole story about Moses and his part in this and his, his really his fear of, of being what God wanted him to be. Verse 29, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. And he also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. What a powerful verse that is. They bowed down and worshipped because they knew that God cared about them, even in their misery, even in this wicked, horrible situation that they found themselves in. I don't know what circumstance you might or might not be in, but I, I want to say it's very clear to me that God hears your cries and He hears our cries and He, and he, and he knows and He cares. He's concerned. He sees. He sees what you're in, involved. He sees your misery. He sees the, the hard times. But when they heard that, it says they bowed down and they worshiped. What does it mean to worship you? to know that God cares, to bow down and worship before the Creator. One more verse in uh, chapter 6, Exodus chapter 6, because God just, He doesn't just hear, He doesn't just see, He doesn't just let them know that He cares, but what does He do? He does something about it, right? You know the story, the whole, the whole uh, premise of the book of Exodus is that He brought His people out. He brought His people out of slavery. Exodus chapter 6, verse 5 says, uh, says, Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and, and I have remembered my covenant. And therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And God did. He did. He brought him out. You can read the rest of the story and he had to, he had to you know, bring the plagues and all those things and finally the, the plague of the firstborn. Uh, but he brought the people out. He delivered them. Does God care? Yes, He does. Does God care? Yes, He does. But some of the inequalities and some of the, the evil things of this world are not going to be rectified completely until we find the new heavens and the new earth. 
until we're standing before him face to face. There will be no more bondage, no more slavery. Another thing, I, I just want to point this out, and, and again, this is from gotquestions.org. He says, the problem of slavery has not gone away. There, catch this, there are more slaves in the world today than at all other times in history combined. He says, today we call it human trafficking, and is just as evil as it was when the new world was being colonized. We think, oh, you know, it, there's no more slavery in the world, it, it, you know, it it got outlawed, and you know, but man is still evil. That's what brought about the flood, wasn't it? That that uh, God could see the evil and the wickedness in man's heart, and and He brought the flood. They, uh, I think, the numbers I saw were somewhere around 27 million people. Right now, today, that are in some kind of bondage, yoke, slavery, and wickedness. That's horrible. It's horrible. There are organizations that are working to, to uh, combat this issue, but it's a huge, horrible, horrible issue. So, you know, again, we're we kind of looking at all these things, trying to fit with, with what Paul is saying. Let's turn back to 1 Timothy. What Paul is talking about there in 1 Timothy that no matter what, no matter where we are, no matter what circumstance we're in, that we are a light for Jesus Christ if we belong to Him, if we believe in Him. Look at verse 2. He talks there about if, you're, uh, if you have a believing master, that, you know, don't, don't try to take advantage of that situation. But work harder, he says. It boggles my mind, I have to be honest with you, that there would even be Believers who would be masters over others. It boggles my mind. But the Bible talks about lots of different circumstances, lots of different situations, and, and, and some of them, you know, like this, that, that, that to, to continue to show your light and love for Jesus, no matter where you are. So application for this this passage, uh, number one, is this, that, that our witness, no matter where we are, that, that we should be that witness. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, I don't think it can be compared to slavery in any way, shape, or form, but there is something about, you know, a job, an employer-employee situation that sometimes, sometimes is very very difficult, very bad even, for us to continue to be. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a circumstance that you, you or I might be in that we need to live for God. Can I do that on my own? Absolutely not. But with God's help, I can do it. If we can make a change, I think that we should. If we can do something about it, we should. Absolutely should. God sent Moses and Aaron to say, let my people go. And they, they stood up and they said, we, we need to go worship our God. And God brought them out of Egypt. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, let's read that on the screen. He says, were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. 
For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freed man. Similarly, similarly, he who was a free man when he was called is Christ's slave. If you can gain your freedom, definitely do so. If you need to do something about the situation, do it. But there's something deeper here. That when God does a work in someone's heart, that's what we're talking about here. God doing a work inside of us, inside of our hearts, making it possible to serve him no matter where we are, no matter what the circumstances are. Which brings me to my second application is this. Number one was to be that witness, be that light no matter where we are. But number two is this, that... that uh, he said that in that verse that we have been set free by Christ. We have all been slaves, you know, but slaves to sin. And we've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ that we might serve him. We need to understand that. Romans chapter 8, he's, uh, Romans chapter 6 talks about it almost the whole chapter. But look, look what he says here. But thanks be to, be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin... You wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You have been set free. That's powerful, you know. That has implications in our lives in a lot of different ways. And and you read the chapter, he's saying, listen, you don't have to be, you don't have to go down this road. You've been set free from sin. You don't have to, you know, let it continue to be your master. Because you've been set free from sin. You can walk and follow Jesus Christ. There's some things you need to do, some things you need to put to death, some things you need to fight against, absolutely. But to be a slave to righteousness, which brings me to my third and final point, is this being bond slaves by choice. Uh Uh-oh, what happened to it? Oh, bond slaves by choice. He talks about the doulos, this bond servant, bond slave. Really, it is a slave. But we're talking here about by choice. But not to a human being. And not to sin. But being a bond servant of Jesus Christ. To serve voluntarily because we belong to him. Remember the definition, someone who belongs to another. You see, he's the only one worthy, our great God, our Savior Jesus Christ, to to serve wholeheartedly. He's the only one worthy of of our affection, our love. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he says, They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve, to be a doulos of the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. To be a doulos of the living God by choice. In the beginning of, of uh, Paul's, many of Paul's epistles, he calls himself a doulos, a slave, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Peter does the same thing. James does the same thing. Jude does the same thing. They call themselves bond slaves of Jesus Christ. 
serving by choice. Say, well, I'm not going to be a slave. I'm not going to be a bondservant, but there's only one. There is one worthy of giving our complete and total allegiance to, and that's Jesus. That's what, that's what Paul recognized. One verse I want to, or a passage I want to close with, uh, Exodus chapter 21, verses 5 and 6. Speaking, there were regulations about these things, but in, in verses 5 and 6 he says, But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children, and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges, and he shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. And then he will be a servant for life. That's a choice he made. Voluntarily. I don't want to go free. I want to serve. Voluntarily. And he would go and, and, and pierce his ear when the, in the doorpost. That's powerful. That's where you and I uh, have to make a decision. Are we going to serve him? Are we going to be that bond servant of Jesus Christ? Not of any man. There's no man. There's no person on earth worthy of giving that kind of uh, obedience to but the great and creator the almighty creator is the one who we belong to him you see so for us to say I'm yours in fact it talks about the fact that we are bought with a price right the price of Jesus given his life for us so we belong to him so for us to give our lives to him that's really what we're talking about here today let's pray together shall we our great and awesome Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you this morning and we cry out to you because this is a wicked world we live in and, and there's so much evil and, and so much injustice and the way people treat other people is just mind-boggling, Lord, and how could that possibly be? But, but yet, you're still with us even in the midst of dark and dire circumstances, and you hear, you listen, you see, and you are working. Father, we pray uh, that we could be those lights and, and whatever circumstance, maybe ours are not as bad as what some have faced and what some in this world are facing even today around the world. Father, uh, we, we pray that uh, you'd, you'd uh, equip us to, to do with everything good to do your will, that we, we could give you the glory in the end. We do pray, Lord, uh, right now for uh, those that are in these situations today, Lord, that, that uh, we pray that you would hear the cries of, the, of, of the, those millions, really, that are, that are uh, being taken advantage of and, and uh, hurt uh, around the world today, Lord. Hear their cries, Lord. Bring them out. Father, do a work, Father, and show us maybe how we could somehow be involved in helping. Don't know how, but maybe through an organization that's working. Father God, uh, I pray, too, for each one of us, Lord, that we would realize that we would know that we've been set free by the blood of Jesus, that we are not slaves to sin. But that we have a choice that we can be servants of yours. Because you gave your life for us, that we belong to you, Lord. 
and call out to you today and say, God, help us. Father God, I also pray this morning for any who have never surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today. It is a good day to say, Jesus, please save me. Jesus, I believe in you and I trust in you what you did at that cross. You paid for my sin that I could be set free from it. You died in my place, paid my price, and you rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. So I cry out to you today, Lord, save me, rescue me. Because you are mighty to save, as we'll sing in a moment. You are mighty to save. Father, thank you for this family that we heard about earlier, Lord, and bind our hearts together that we might serve you together and help one another, encourage one another daily. While it's still called today to keep fighting the good fight. Keep fighting the good fight. For we have a great and awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.